morning. I'm delighted to join this illustrious United Nations Audiovisual Library of International Law lecture series. My name is Edward Kwakwa and I'm legal counsel at the World Intellectual Property Organization based in Geneva, Switzerland. Before joining the World Intellectual Property Organization, acronyms WIPO, WIPO, I worked at a few other intergovernmental organizations. In particular, I worked at the Office of the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, also in Geneva, and at the Office of the World Trade Organization in Geneva. My lecture this morning is on an introduction to the World Intellectual Property Organization. So as it were, I will be given a primer on WIPO. Let me start by giving a brief outline of what I intend to cover. I'd like to first of all give a few basic facts about WIPO, and then I'll go on and talk specifically about the activities that WIPO conducts as a way of introducing the organization. And then I'll end with some concluding remarks. So let's start then with a few basic facts about WIPO. WIPO is dedicated to the promotion of innovation and creativity for the economic, social, and cultural development of all countries through a balanced and effective international intellectual property system. In terms of its history, the convention establishing WIPO was signed in 1967 and entered into force in 1970. So in that sense, WIPO has been around for some 41 years now. Now, although WIPO's origins date back to 1970, its actual origins predate the WIPO Convention itself, and they go as far back as 1883 and 1886, respectively. These are the years in which the Paris Convention for the Protection of Industrial Property and the Berne Convention for the Protection of Literary and Artistic Works were adopted. Just to show the relevance of 1883 in particular, that is the year when the Paris Convention was adopted, it is good to recall that 1883 also happens to be the year in which Johannes Brahms composed his third symphony and in case there are some of you not interested in musical works, we also like to recall 1883 happens to be the same year in which the famous writer Robert Louis Stevenson wrote his well-known book, Treasure Island. And finally, for those of you who are more interested in construction works, and since we are here in New York today, I'd like to recall again 1883 is the year in which John and Emily Roebling completed construction of New York's Brooklyn Bridge. We mention all these pieces of work to indicate the fact that as far back as 1883 they required intellectual property protection. 
So that is the relevance of WIPO going back over a century today. WIPO became a specialized agency of the United Nations in 1974. In terms of its status, it is an intergovernmental organization of 184 member states. Its headquarters, as I mentioned, is in Geneva, Switzerland. And in regard to this, the organization has entered into a headquarters agreement with the Swiss Federal Council. In addition to the headquarters based in Geneva, we have a few external offices. To be precise, there are four external offices, the first of which is based in New York, United States. The second external office is in Tokyo, Japan. We have a third external office in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and the fourth and final external office in Singapore, Singapore. In terms of the Secretariat, there are currently well over 1,000 staff members originating from over 100 countries. The Secretariat is headed by a Director General, Dr. Francis Gary, from Australia. He has been in office as Director General since October 2008, so this is his first six-year term. Before that, incidentally, he was also the Deputy Director General in charge of Patent Administration, in charge of the Arbitration and Mediation Council, and in charge of the Legal Counsel's Office. He was, in fact, the Legal Counsel of the organization. Now, in terms of treaties administered by WIPO, the organization is administering country currently 24 specific treaties covering various subjects in intellectual property law. And for all these 24 treaties, the Director General of WIPO serves as depository. Of course, these depository functions, he is assisted by the Office of the Legal Counsel. In terms of decision-making in the organization, we have three main bodies I should like to mention. The first is the General Assembly. The General Assembly is composed of all the 184 member states of WIPO who also are party to either the Paris Convention for the Protection of Industrial Property or the Berne Convention for the Protection of Literary and Artistic Works. So in order to belong to the General Assembly of WIPO, a member state must not just be party to the WIPO Convention, but must also be party to one of the two main branches in intellectual property, that is the Paris Convention on Industrial Property or the Berne Convention on Literary and Artistic Works. That is the General Assembly. The second main decision-making body is the WIPO Conference. And this, in essence, is all the 184 states party to the WIPO Convention. Third and final decision-making body I should like to mention is the Coordination Committee. The Coordination Committee is largely responsible for issues relating to human resources, including, for example, the appointment of the Director General, 
and approval of the director general's candidates that he selects for his senior management team. In short, these are the three main decision-making bodies. In addition, of course, there are assemblies of certain of the unions established under some of the WIPO administered treaties that also serve as governing bodies. So in respect of some of the 24 treaties administered by WIPO, assemblies are constituted under the unions, which also serve as part of the decision-making bodies in respect of the treaties to which they are concerned. In addition, we have various other committees, such as the Program and Budget Committee and Standing Committees, which I will elaborate on in a minute. To assist the decision-making organs, we have what we call observers. And in terms of observers, there are currently some 68 intergovernmental organizations, 230 international non-governmental organizations, and 60 national non-governmental organizations. These observers participate in the deliberations of the governing bodies. In terms of intellectual property outreach, the organization relies on three main constituencies. The first constituency is the public sector and policymakers. This would be policymakers belonging to various governments and public administrations. Second main constituency for outreach is the intellectual property offices. In respect of each of WIPO's 184 member states, there are intellectual property offices that serve also as outreach facilities for the organization. And the third and main constituency in terms of intellectual property outreach is the general public and civil society broadly. Those are the constituents used for IP outreach by the organization. Now, in terms of before getting into the specific activities that the organization undertakes, I'd like to mention certain strategic goals directing the activities that the organization is currently engaged in. These are strategic goals that were enunciated by the current director general when he assumed office in October 2008. There are nine such strategic goals, but for purposes of relevance to this lecture, I will only mention six of those nine strategic goals. First strategic goal that the organization has is what we call a balanced evolution of the international normative framework. And this strategic goal is aimed at ensuring that the development of international intellectual property law keeps pace with the rapidly evolving technological, social, and cultural environment. The second strategic goal relates to providing premier global intellectual property services for the organization and for the international community. And under this strategic goal, the idea is to make the core income generating business areas of the organization more cost effective 
and ensure that they provide added value. Strategic goal number three is to facilitate the use of intellectual property for development. And this third strategic goal reflects a commitment to ensuring that all countries are able to benefit from the use of intellectual property for development. As part of this strategic goal, the organization is engaged in mainstreaming development activity in all the substantive areas of the organization's work. Strategic goal number four is building international cooperation in respect of building respect for intellectual property. And here, the principle is that respect for intellectual property rights is a principle shared by all the member states of WIPO. And so this strategic goal aims to enhance cooperation in building respect for the intellectual property rights that the organization is seeking to promote. Strategic goal number five is aimed at addressing intellectual property in relation to global policy themes. The determination under this strategic goal is to re-establish WIPO as the leading intergovernmental organization for addressing the intersection between intellectual property on the one hand and public policy issues on the other hand. Now, when we refer to global public policy issues, we are referring specifically to such areas as climate change, public health, human rights, and food security. We all know in the past, intellectual property was seen as a rather technical arcane and esoteric subject of interest only to lawyers. In today's global village, however, it is clear there is an interface between intellectual property and such global issue areas. And so strategic goal number five of the organization is aimed at elaborating on the interface between intellectual property and these public policy areas. Sixth and final strategic goal I should like to mention this morning is in respect of serving as a world reference source for intellectual property information and analysis. Under strategic goal six, the organization aims at serving as a world reference source for IP information. And just to give an example of this, we have what we call WIPO Gold, G-O-L-D. WIPO Gold. WIPO Gold provides a quick and easy online access to a broad collection of searchable intellectual property data and tools relating to technology, brands, designs, statistics, among others. Recently, as part of this WIPO Gold, to be precise, at the beginning of March 2011, a new global brands database was established which allows free of charge simultaneous brand related searches across multiple collections. That's an example of WIPO Gold. 
Another example of WIPO gold, which is strategic gold number six, is what we call in WIPO, WIPO LEX, L-E-X, WIPO LEX. That serves as an online global intellectual property reference source which provides up-to-date information on national intellectual property laws and treaties. WIPOLEX currently features the complete legal texts of almost 100 countries and it has substantial coverage for a further 90 legal systems. So under WIPOLEX, WIPO has for the first time been able to consolidate the intellectual property laws of member states as well as intellectual property treaties and to make them available in a detailed and fully searchable format. Now this is not just in respect of WIPO member states, 184 of them, but also in respect of the eight additional UN member states who are not also WIPO member states and the WTO's 153 members. So WIPOLEX is aimed at a total of almost 200 countries collectively belonging to WIPO, the United Nations, and the World Trade Organization. And these are all a demonstration of WIPO's commitment to narrow the global knowledge gap by facilitating the free flow of intellectual property information globally and by improving access to and the use of intellectual property information. This brings me to the end of the six strategic goals I wanted to mention by way of introducing the main activities that WIPO engages in. In respect of the main activities, there are three specific activities I would like to address. The first one relates to norm setting or norm making in international law terms. The second one relates to services to industry. And the third main activity is activity in relation to economic development. And I will discuss each of these three areas separately. First is norm setting. WIPO's norm setting activities aim at the progressive development of international intellectual property law for an IP system that is balanced and responsive to emerging needs at the same time at which it is effective in encouraging innovation and creativity. Encouragement of innovation and creativity is, after all, the essence of the intellectual property system. And finally, a system that is sufficiently flexible to accommodate national policy objectives. So in respect of this norm setting, topical issues are reviewed and discussed in what we call standing committees. Standing committees in WIPO constitute the vehicle by which discussions proceed for the progressive development of international intellectual property law. In short, the establishment of norms. Currently, we have standing committees in respect of patents, in respect of copyright and related rights, and in respect of trademarks, 
industrial designs and geographical indications. And in respect of all these standing committees, the aim is to build consensus on topical issues, taking into account the interests of all stakeholders for a balanced, reliable, efficient, user-friendly and cost-effective intellectual property system. Now, speaking of norm-making, I should also like to mention that WIPO is gradually trying to supplement the hard law with soft law. This may not be news in terms of other intergovernmental organizations such as the United Nations, but where WIPO is concerned, traditionally rules concerning intellectual property have been adopted by the treaty method. Due in large part to rapid advances in technology and in particular, given the length of time that is needed for a treaty to enter into force, however, it would seem to us in WIPO that traditional treaty-making processes now seem unsuited to the realities of intellectual property law. As a result, WIPO has tried to add mechanisms relating to soft law in addition to the hard law mechanisms it has used to adopt laws in intellectual property. And we have a few examples of this trend towards soft law mechanisms. In 1999, for example, the WIPO member states adopted a resolution concerning provisions on the protection of well-known marks. This was the first time ever that WIPO member states had adopted a resolution seeking to promulgate or to recommend to WIPO member states the adoption domestically of hard law that would be modeled on the soft law resolution the member states had adopted. Similarly, in 2000, the WIPO member states adopted a recommendation concerning trademark licenses. And as a third example of soft law mechanisms, in 2001, WIPO member states adopted a re recommendation concerning provisions on the protection of marks and other industrial property rights in science on the internet. In WIPO, we hope that such supplementary means of norm creation will allow the organization to promulgate norms more efficiently and with greater precision than could be done via the traditional treaty-making method. Now, I did mention earlier that we had standing committees for patents, for copyrights and related rights, and for trademarks. Those are three specific norm-making areas. In addition, we have an advisory committee that discusses issues relating to enforcement, or what we call in this day and age, building respect for intellectual property. And then, in addition, in the norm-setting area, we have an intergovernmental committee that delves into issues relating to traditional knowledge access to genetic resources, traditional cultural expressions, or folklore. This committee, which was established in 2000, 
aims to generate practical benefits for the intellectual property system and to support socioeconomic development, cultural integrity of communities, and address the concerns of indigenous peoples. In terms of its current program, the Intergovernmental Committee is at a stage where it is involved in negotiating text-based conclusions with the aim towards arriving at one or more international instruments that will ensure the effective protection of genetic resources, traditional knowledge, and traditional cultural expressions. That was main activity one on norm setting. This brings us to main activity two, and that relates to acting as a provider of premier global intellectual property services. Under main activity two, WIPO has core income generating business areas, specifically under the Patent Cooperation Treaty, also under the Madrid system for the registration of trademarks, the Hague system for the registration of industrial designs, and finally, there is a WIPO arbitration and mediation center. And the common feature of all these core income generating business areas is to be the first choice for users by continuing to offer cost-effective and value-added services. To give a practical example, let's take the Patent Cooperation Treaty. As is well known, patent law differs from country to country. And it can in fact be a costly, complex, and lengthy process to obtain patent protection in multiple countries. WIPO's global protection services offer a swift, reliable, cost-effective, and user-friendly option by streamlining the filing and processing of patent applications in multiple countries in order to make the grant of patents more economical. In effect, therefore, it's a one-stop application for protection in multiple jurisdictions rather than having to do individual applications in each of those multiple jurisdictions. In other words, a single international patent application under the Patent Cooperation Treaty, for example, will have the same legal effect as a national application in each country that is bound by the treaty and that is designated for protection by the applicant. So, as we see, WIPO's registration systems in the area of patents trademarks, industrial designs, and geographical indications facilitate the acquisition and maintenance of these intellectual property rights in different countries. Also in the area of services, I did mention, there is a WIPO Arbitration and Mediation Center. This arbitration and mediation center has now become the leading resource in alternative dispute resolution 
for intellectual property matters. And the center is engaged in one, classical arbitration and mediation services, and two, it also engages in tailor-made dispute resolution procedures. A typical example of these tailor-made dispute resolution procedures is what we term the UDRP, that is the Uniform Domain Name Dispute Resolution Policy. The UDRP deals with cyber squatting, that is the preemptive bad faith registration of trademarks as domain names by third parties who do not possess rights in such trade names. Such cyber squatting gives rise to disputes between trademark owners and domain name registrants, disputes which stretch the capacity of territorial judicial systems. So the UDRP has been adopted as an administrative mechanism for the efficient resolution of disputes arising out of the bad faith registration and use by third parties of domain names. It serves as a cost-effective and expeditious procedure. And for the short time I have for this lecture, I of course cannot give that much detail. But for those of you interested, please feel free to consult the WIPO website where you will find a lot more comprehensive detail, including the jurisprudence built up in the case law, etc., relating to WIPO's uniform domain name dispute resolution policies and other activities undertaken by the Arbitration and Mediation Center. That was main activity number two. The third and last activity I should like to mention is activity relating to economic development. And here the idea is to maximize the strategic use of intellectual property for development by updating intellectual property legislation, upgrading intellectual property infrastructure that is of member states, trying to demystify intellectual property, promoting an understanding of policy options offered by the intellectual property system. And the approach in all this economic development activity is to tailor it to specific national needs, sometimes through what we call in WIPO, nationally focused action plans. The goal, of course, is to ensure that all countries are able to benefit from the use of intellectual property for economic, social, and cultural development. So under this main activity number three, WIPO tries to assist development and modernization of intellectual property systems in line with development priorities and national plans and specifically, it tries to build capacity in respect of IP infrastructure, human resources, institutions relating to intellectual property, and the formulation of intellectual property legislation consistent with flexibilities under the current 
international intellectual property regime. And finally, assists in raising awareness and building capacity tools for small and medium-sized enterprises at the national and regional levels. Now, as part of this main activity three, we have what is called the development agenda for WIPO. The development agenda for WIPO was introduced in 2004 by some of WIPO's developing country members. And it was in 2007 that the development agenda was officially endorsed in WIPO by the member states with a view towards emphasizing the use of intellectual property for development. The main challenge of WIPO's development agenda is to facilitate the use by developing countries of intellectual property for economic, social, and cultural development. In that regard, there are currently some 45 agreed proposals proposals that appear in different clusters of activities, including, for example, technical assistance and capacity building, norm setting, flexibilities within the intellectual property system, public policy and public knowledge, as well as the transfer of technology, information and communications technology, and Finally, institutional matters, including the mandate and the governance of WIPO. As part of this development agenda for WIPO, the member states established what they call a Committee on Development and Intellectual Property. And the main tasks of this committee are to monitor, to assess, to discuss, and to report on the implementation of recommendations in respect of intellectual property and development issues. Finally, as part of the development agenda, the Secretariat has established a Development Agenda Coordination Division whose principal task is to ensure that the agreed outcomes are reflected in the relevant programs of the organization. In respect of development activities, we also have in WIPO what we call the WIPO Worldwide Academy. The academy, in a sense, is the university wing of WIPO that is devoted to training, teaching, and research in intellectual property matters. The WIPO Academy tries to build the human resources that are necessary to support a vision and a strategy that would see intellectual property promoted and protected worldwide and intellectual property rights used as a tool for economic, social, and cultural development. The mandate of the Academy is to develop human resources in intellectual property. It is to demystify intellectual property and to promote greater awareness of intellectual property. The Academy's mandate is also to serve as a center of excellence in teaching, training, and research 
and finally to provide training that promotes the use of intellectual property for development in line with the evolving intellectual property landscape. To carry out its mandate, the Academy engages in various programs, including professional development of intellectual property officers. It has a partnership program with universities, such as a master's in law program with the University of Turin in Italy, with Raoul Wallenberg in Sweden, and with Africa University in Zimbabwe and the University of South Africa in South Africa. Finally, the Academy also has two other programs, one on distance learning, where it has an expanding portfolio of courses that the outside community can enroll in. And then there is a summer schools program under which summer schools are convened in various cities worldwide. So that, in short, was main activity three. And this brings us to the end of the main activities that WIPO engages in. Now I should like to mention very briefly financing of WIPO. I didn't think it would be appropriate to end a lecture on WIPO without making specific reference to the system of financing. This is also because WIPO happens to be unique in the UN system of organizations in the sense that it is largely self-financing. In terms of WIPO's current budget, its main sources of revenue derive principally from the PCT system, which I mentioned earlier. This is the Patent Cooperation Treaty System, under which we provide registration services for patents. And that system alone generates some 76%, 76% of WIPO's budget. In addition, the Madrid system, in respect of registration of trademarks, generates another 15% of WIPO's budget. We have 1% coming from the Hague system in respect of industrial designs. And then another 2% comes from the arbitration and mediation center's activities and simply from the sale of publications. Finally, in terms of WIPO's main sources of revenue, we have contributions by the 184 member states of WIPO. Now, unlike most other organizations where the member states contribute 100% of the budget, the member states of WIPO currently contribute 6% of the budget, and that collectively brings the total to 100%. The combination of member state contributions as well as fees charged for the provision of services under the various registration systems. The current budget of WIPO is some 618 million Swiss francs for the 2010-2011 biennium. 618 million Swiss francs in US dollar terms at today's exchange rate would be just over 618 million United States dollars for two years. So this, in short, has been a brief introduction to WIPO. As you can imagine, there is a lot more that one could have said on the World Intellectual Property Organization, 
but there is a limit to how much I could say under a specific lecture under the auspicious UN Audiovisual Library series. For those of you who are interested in additional information relating to WIPO, I would invite you to visit the WIPO website www.wipo.int where you will find plenty of additional or supplementary information. I will of course also post relevant reading materials on the audiovisual library website. Now I hope I have succeeded in this very brief period in shedding greater light on WIPO and its activities and I thank you for your attention. Thank you.